0: This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion.
1: Hi, I'm Lori from Frivolousatlast.com, And I'm Helena from GrayAllDay.com, And we are the Clothes Making Mavens. Gila, our Joy
0: Correspondent, is on the show today. She asks us to consider what our dream sewing life would look like. Sounds amazing. And she talks about how mood boards can help us bring more joy into our sewing. That's coming up a little later. And Barbara, who is also a clothes-making maven, and we know her affectionately as the font of all sewing knowledge in full capital letters, <laughs> because she truly is the font of all sewing knowledge. Uh, anyway, recently you uh, may have read a post by Barbara on her blog, Sewing on the Edge. She wrote that we have a new reality to face, that the big four pattern companies aren't what they once were. So we're talking about? Vogue, McCall's,
1: Butterick, and Simplicity.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, right, good. So Barbara says things aren't what they once were with these companies, and her case in point is a photo from a spring Vogue release. It's a Rachel Comey suit and seems to demonstrate some questionable drafting and finishing techniques. Have you seen this one, Helena? This made me vomit a little
1: in my mouth. I mean, (laughs) it's, I mean, I can see where she was trying to go with it, but I know exactly what Barbara's saying about the finishing techniques and the drafting. Like, there is a weird seam right below the knee that is, I think, trying to create a... Um, like a tulip shape in the pants, but the way that it's finished is so distracting. And then the hem of the pants is falling down. I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. The shoulder, the fit in the shoulders is, is just bad. So it doesn't, maybe it looks like it's supposed to be oversized, but it's not oversized enough to be oversized. It's just badly fitting. And I mean, and it's a classic Vogue and all the big four, the fabric is hideous it's so bad (laughs) it's it's really a miss for me for sure so I can see exactly what she's talking about
0: right so for me I mean there's parts of this design that I like I think I actually kind of like the pants but Barbara was just really sort of oh my this finishing is just not up to snuff for for uh A model for the pattern, right? So she says it seems that they've turned off their irons at the Vogue offices because they didn't didn't seem to iron the tie on the jacket and and so on and so forth. So, um, But in any case, we invited Barbara to tell us a little bit more about what she thought of this whole issue of um, feeling like maybe the big four patterns just aren't living up to uh, the standards that they once were. So here's what she had to say.
2: Hello, this is Barbara Modi, and I'm going to do a little quick burst here on the Big Four Pattern Companies. I've been thinking about this a lot. I posted about it on my blog, and I got a lot of comments and a lot of things that made me further my own thinking on this. So I would like to share some of this with you. The news lately is that the big four pattern companies, which are Vogue, Butterick, McCall's, and Simplicity, and would also include, I think, the uh, smaller lines they incorporate, which would be Quixel and New Look, have all been bought by a British company that specializes in greeting cards, and craft supplies. So basically, as far as I can figure out, a company that's, and wrapping paper, that's coming at this from a paper perspective. I think this is really important, and I think we need to put it into context and put the relationship that we all have with the printed conventional patterns in context. I am finding that there's a lot of feedback from people pro-indie patterns, anti-indie patterns, and I think we need to clear all of that up. I mean, the last thing any of us needs is another area of polarization in our uh, sewing family, in our lives. So... The big pattern companies traditionally are the tissue paper patterns that most people used when they learned to sew. And I think that the affection many people have for them has to do with their role in learning to sew. And the original kind of culture of those patterns really was very instructive. And you got sewing lessons from using these patterns. Over time, I think as a lot of things have kind of shrunk, we no longer have fabric departments and department stores because we no longer have department stores. And fabric, fine fabric, interesting fabric, has really moved more to independent modes of delivery. I know in Canada where I live, there's a really interesting resurgence of people who are designing and printing their own patterns. I order a lot from them, and I go to independent fabric stores when I travel. The garment district in New York, of course, has shrunk, um, but there still are many interesting stores. I mean, things have gone offline, uh, online rather. Brick and More is expensive. I've just gone to Stone Mountain and Daughter in uh, Berkeley. So... There is a change from big to small, and I think in any change there's a flip side to it. I, uh, as you know, have written a book. I'm continuing to work on books, and they are conventionally published, but I'm very aware that self publishing is a really big thing now. And I've been uh, reading books on my Kindle that have been self published, and that's another thing. I have 90 books with me on my current trip on my Kindle. So times change. I think that what has happened to the pattern, big pattern companies is inevitable, and I think there's two sides to that. One is that the volume of patterns that they traditionally were producing was not a sustainable model. If anybody's ever worked in a fabric store, I have taught in fabric stores and I've seen in the back rooms boxes and boxes of discards, patterns that were pulled and shipped back to the companies or in some cases just taken to the dumpster after the staff had gone through them. That just is not sensible. And, you know, quite apart from the whole paper issue, this has happened to the newspaper business. I read the New York Times every day. I read it digitally. I wouldn't dream of ordering a paper copy. And, in fact, Nova Scotia, where I live, an entire town really shut down when the Washington Post stopped ordering newsprint or newspaper from them. So I think, you know, that was a model that wasn't going to continue. Before we hit this point, though, I think that the pattern companies, to keep up a traditional schedule, really moved towards cutting and pasting um, rather than uh, original design of, of patterns. And we have to be honest about this. My own area of interest in sewing is construction, is ingenious instructions. I live for new methods and new techniques that are efficient and effective for the home sewer. Many techniques that we use in industrial clothing or in commercially made clothing are done by big purpose built machines i remember a service technician watching from a big german company watching me make a well pocket and he said you know in the factory there is one machine that takes up most of a room that will do that automatically and i'm intrigued to watch you do it in 47 steps so that's my interest is sewing techniques um and so I've been acutely aware of the lack of anything interesting or innovative in techniques. The last bold pattern, four knits pattern I looked at, was still telling me to sew all the seams with two rows of top stitching, and telling me that the hem needed to be turned up, basted, pressed, and then top stitched again. I mean, you know, sergers have been around in the domestic market for forty years, uh, so that's very important to me. So I think that the instructions have been kind of the canary in the coal mine because I think that the actual design lines of the patterns have been increasingly simple and recycled. And even the so-called designer patterns, if you actually look at the pattern pieces, they're very familiar to me. I think there have been redrafts of existing um, uh, sort of base patterns to incorporate designer details. And the sizing has not kept up. I mean, why are they still talking about, you know, you can buy a pattern that says you should have a 32 and a half inch hip. This is an adult pattern. So... That's actually something else. I used to be able to sew, according to my measurements, a pattern that, you know, the pattern size matched those measurements, and it was kind of zoning in fairly well. Uh, Recently, just this year, I've been in a rush to do a few things. I I wanted to make a house coat, a robe if you aren't Canadian, which most of the world isn't. and so I just grabbed a pattern. I looked at the measurements, and it said, and I measure about a size 16, if you look at pattern measurements. And I thought, well, these are often kind of big, so didn't have time to do any measuring of the pattern. I made a 14. It's enormous. Two barbers could walk around in it, and I'm really disappointed. I'm disappointed in myself for not checking it, but I'm disappointed in them. For for doing this, uh, for issuing a pattern like that, and of course it was one that had a line drawing in the front, which uh, showed the shoulder seams about six inches above where the shoulder seams naturally did. Uh, Were so, I think that to bemoan the fact that uh, this is happening is is really. Uh, just not accepting the reality, and I think the fact they are paper-based and very expensive to produce is probably part of it. So I don't have great hope that things are going to turn around uh, with the Big Four. So w- where does a sewer go? And I'm, I guess, and what I'm saying is, is historically natural. So there's independent, indie pattern companies. There's also another category, which is, you know, I think really solid. Small pattern companies, uh, Stylark, uh, which are, have an f- incredible pat fit, you know, Jelly. Uh, I think that Tasutu in, um, Suti sorry, in uh Australia does some very nice patterns. They don't fit suit me, but Louise Cutting has very thoughtful patterns with good instructions. I also really like Otobra magazine from Finland. They are to me pleasure reading, even if I don't make a lot of the uh garments. Um I just love reading the instructions because they're very clever and very uh, they show uh, an education in in uh, ready to wear and current construction techniques. They're enjoyable reading to me. Berta style, Berta mode, which used to be the you know what the original Berta magazine was. I love I've learned so much from reading Berda, which I originally sewed in, in German for a long time. I'd actually did German in school, and I learned enough sewing German to to read those instructions. And I I found them fascinating. I think that's been a bit flattened with the new Berta style. Uh, I'm not happy with their current website. They've removed a lot of the new technical information, I wrote them, they wrote me back and said, Look, we're work we're a work in progress, but again, they have been got. they have changed hands. Uh, and I'm talking about Berta's style as opposed to the you know, traditional Berta mode magazine. And they have gone from F and W Media, which was a you know a big publishing company which went went into chapter eleven this year. So they're now owned by what looks to me is is kind of more of a an investment company in this area, so I I think that that's what's happened. But on the subject of indie patterns, it's a bit like indie books. I mean, I've been downloading them because I've realized I can get a lot of them free or for ninety nine cents, and I'm reading a lot right now. You know, some are terrible, some are. Really good, and you're going to get that when you have uh, democratic access to publication, if it's patterns or books. And I think that being able to access some good independent designers this way is fantastic. Uh, uh, Tammy Myers from Love Notions is doing really nice patterns that have pieces, you know, they you can... uh, all of her tops have a full bust and a standard bust front piece, which I think is great. Uh, I, I, you know, I really enjoy her patterns, and I believe she's a good, committed designer. Um, other ones I've looked at, and I've thought, yeah, you know what? This is. Do we really need a hundred and fifty? patterns for the ultimate t-shirt that are essentially a front to back and the sleeve. You know, this is all going to wash out, and as consumers with everything else, you make your choices. So I think that's interesting, and I think that we need to explore and support that. We need to take responsibility for selecting um, the patterns that we use. And, of course, with online pattern reviews, that's that's more and more possible to do. So I think that the onus is back on us, which is important. We are no longer just trotting down to the fabric store, picking a pattern, going home and making it. We have a much richer landscape. I'm also interested, uh, when you look at indie patterns, at new developments. I'm really interested in projector uh, patterns, which basically are... Remember, old slide projectors is a projector that will take the file attached to your phone or your laptop and project the cutting lines on fabric. Uh, I could see really huge potential for this. I actually have um, drafted patterns in AutoCAD, which is the engineering software, and also altered them in a program like that. So I'm right away seeing that there's going to be a small step from doing that to maybe doing some basic alterations. They'll have to do something with, you know, accessing the PDFs that way and projecting that. That's really interesting because consuming all that paper uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. And right now we're in a transition period. We're taping together A4 letter size papers or we're sending them out for uh, A0, you know, copy shot prints. But I can see that that's another change that's really interesting. So I guess to me it depends what you're interested in. I like to buy a pattern that does not require a lot of alterations because that's not the end of the business that interests me. One of my responders to my blog said, listen, what's the problem with the big four, muslin, muslin, muslin? And my response was, no, no, no. I mean, I will make a couple of Muslims, I do that all the time, for a base garment, like a top, or something that I'm going to do over and over again. But why should I be compensating for uh, a pattern that for commercial reasons has not been thoughtfully drafted? I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to find another pattern line that is more compatible with my shape, or I think is is better drafted. So that's where I am on this debate. I'm really interested uh, on your feedback on this, but I think always when you know when big things get to the end of their life cycle, if that also opens up new avenues. Uh, and, and possibilities for new businesses and new designers and new creativity. That's a good thing. I mean, I am personally not going to let my nostalgia for the patterns that I used to use overcome the fact that somewhere, maybe in the middle of nowhere, I can say as a person who herself lives in the middle of nowhere, there could be somebody who's got like a really great idea or has some good design training or understands garments, who can share something with me and we can deal direct. I think that's fantastic. So that's where I am on this one. And uh, I look forward to hearing your comments as do all the mavens. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I loved what she had to say. She has such strong opinions and I love when she throws them at us. So what do you think about... Um, this do you have this affection for the big four tissue patterns? Did you feel what she was saying?
0: Yeah, for sure. So she mentioned that maybe a lot of, for a lot of us, we have an affection for them because we grew up on those. That's how we learned to sew. And that is yeah. true for me. So I learned to sew for my mother, and she used the big four patterns, and I learned how to cut the tissue out and pin it to the fabric. Um, gosh, I pinned my pattern pieces to the fabric for – far too many years of my life, I got to say. I don't pan anything anymore. I use pattern weights, so yeah, if you're not on the pattern weight bandwagon, get on it. It will make your life yeah. much easier. Come on, guys. How about you? I know that your mother is a seamstress, and so you
1: learned from her, but did she use patterns, or did you learn sort of drafting and other techniques? Oh, no, no, no. She is, she is big into patterns. She She doesn't like the drafting, like that's not her favorite part of it. And so I'm, she's very capable of it. And she did do that when she was younger, but she, it isn't her favorite part. She really likes the engineering, similar to Barbara that she said that she likes the construction and I totally felt what she was saying. Yeah. So I see what she means about, um, a nostalgia for the tissue patterns, but I don't necessarily have a loyalty to those big four patterns because I learned to sew on them. I just think that it's a lot easier to go and buy them. It's easy for me to run to the store and buy them and I don't have to tape them together. Right. And you also get
0: the wonderful uh, low, low price of ninety-nine cents sometimes at Joanne's, right? That's not yeah. a not a luxury we have here in Canada. I think the, the cheapest we can get the big four patterns is usually from their website directly when they have a sale and they're usually three ninety nine or six ninety-nine plus, you know, shipping and, and so on. So they're not, not that cheap.
1: Right, right. But I mean she is so so correct when she says that the sizing is all over the map. And it is a constant frustration. And I, (laughs) she made me think about actually, do I think that it's worth it to have to deal with wildly, wildly crazy sizing? Like this, um, sometimes it's so big and then I'll, I'll think, okay, this is gonna be too big. And so I sized down two sizes in a couple of the brands like McCall's. And then I made a shirt out of that beautiful pink, Um, stretchy, we got like a Lycra stretch from Mood together when we were together. It was a baby pink color. Yes. I made a shirt out of that and it's too tight. No. Yes. Oh, that's awful. I mean, it's so tight that you can see like my belly button indentation. Oh, not good. (laughs) Too much. (laughs) Not that you don't have a lovely belly button, I'm sure, but. (laughs) No one wants to see that. No one wants to see that. Yeah. So that kind of thing is a, a real frustration that I, um, and I, I totally, And with Barbara on, like, is it worth it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, do you? um, So, I mean, I do still use them, of course. And I'm wondering what some of your strategies are for figuring out how you think it's going to fit. So we've got a few clues. We've got the line drawings. We've got the, you know, what your measurements are and what size they recommend. Um, It'll tell you whether it's supposed to be loose fitting, Mm i.e. have um, Mm -hmm. positive ease or not. And then we have the model photo but what are some of the things that you personally look for when you're trying to assess how the final thing is going to fit and whether you should throw the dice and cut out a smaller size or cut a bigger size or somewhere in between?
1: Yeah, I do look for those finished measurement sizes and that helps. So, uh, But you have to, it's a pain in the butt to get to them. I don't know why they make it so difficult. They, it is printed on the tissue pattern. So Mm -hmm. you have to get the whole giant pattern and unravel the whole thing and smooth it out and find which piece it's on and then look and see. You have to decide which is the most relevant measurement, right? Because um, they'll give you some that have no bearing Mm -hmm. on how it's actually going to fit you. But what is really frustrating to me, and I think this is – Something that should be frustrating to everything, everyone—not should be frustrating, but it should be something on everyone's radar—is mm-hmm. how things fit in the shoulders. Yes. I just think that that is really key to having something look nice and having it hang correctly. And and I guess maybe that's maybe that's my personal issue, and that's why I'm bringing it up. But I do mm. see in other sewists when things don't fit in the shoulders, and I brought it up in that Rachel Comey. That it, when it doesn't fit in the shoulders, it just does not look good. And it yeah. doesn't.
0: And I wonder, too, I mean, you pointed out that uh, it... it- maybe is meant to be purposely oversized. And I feel like we're going, a lot of the styles seem to be going a little bit retro towards the 80s again. And I mean, when I was a teenager in the 80s, I was a tiny little waif of a girl and I was just grabbing clothes out of my dad's closet and putting them on and (laughs) no one batting an eye. Like the, you know, the the shoulders were down to my elbows and just giant oversized things. So if we're going in that direction again, then will shoulder fitting matter, I guess?
1: Yeah. And, and maybe it, maybe shoulder fitting only matters to me, I guess. I came in strong, I came in hot with my opinion there. <laughs> your hot take.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. It, it
1: is important. That's where most of the garment hangs from, you know, yeah. it's important to get that right. But I know that a lot of people, if you have a, like a larger bust that isn't in the size range, that can always be your issue. Or mm-hmm. if you have, um, like your ratio of hip to waist is not the industry standard of 10 inches or whatever it is, then that is your thing. So (laughs) I know exactly. Hmm. Oh, sure. No problem there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right, right. So, um, yeah, I guess that then you would have to personally decide how... The big four patterns address your situation that you that your fitting issue, and I guess mine always has been the shoulders, and I feel like the shoulders and big four patterns are huge. They're just mm. always way out there. I have to take right. them in. and I find that with out. Berta,
0: I always have to take the shoulders in on Berta, but that could be just. I think I have generally smaller shoulders than usual. Um, do you think that there's a a big divide amongst sewers in terms of big four and indie patterns? I mean, I do know some sewers who are like, I only sew indie patterns and others who, uh, I know that Barbara has brought up some complaints about the big four before and has gotten some pushback on her blog and people saying, what are you talking about? These are wonderful patterns and that sort of thing. So where, where are you on that?
1: Yeah, I, I do think there's a divide because I think that the I think Barbara was right on when she said the instructions for indie patterns are can be so mm-hmm. much more helpful and show you new techniques and show you um like what the possibilities are. So there is a divide if you don't know how to, if you don't want to make the decisions yourself, which is how I sew, I see how they constructed and I kind of follow their um, basic flow of construction, but mm-hmm. I decide every finish myself. And that has nothing, I have no, I don't even read what they tell me to do in that regard. But if you don't want to make those decisions yourself, then the indie patterns are a lot more superior in that way. And that would be the divide, I think, is how you sew. Yeah.
0: It's interesting to think about how many of us learned on the tissue patterns of the Big 4 and yet, you know, the instructions are just very uh just do this cursory. and this and this and there is mm-hmm. you no know, exactly. They're fairly cursory. I mean, the illustrations tend to be good, but there's no, "Hey, and by the way, this is a thing that you might Uh, have a problem with here and here are some solutions for that or here's a tutorial online for you to go see how to actually install the invisible zipper and you do find that i mean as you say not all indie patterns do that but there are plenty that do um i can think of some some of my favorites that do that hey june is quite good for giving great finishing instructions Mm -hmm. um I think itch to stitch is really good at that too. Their drafting is superb. They're one of my yeah. favorites for sure. Yeah, I
1: was going to mention um, them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: What are some of your
1: favorite indie patterns? I really like named, but I wouldn't recommend their instructions are teaching instructions. They're they they work fine, but they're not the kind of instructions mm-hmm. that we're talking about that are really um that are really going to build your skills. Uh, but I love their I, I love their it's all about their designs, right? Design, I know. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'm going to be able to make it work, even if it isn't you know, perfect and doesn't have the best instructions. Um, so House 7 has some good instructions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've used them before. I actually yeah. went through my Google Drive of PDF downloaded patterns, uh, and I have sorted them into folders according to company that designed them. And I have... PDF patterns from over 60 independent pattern companies. I haven't used them all, but Mm -hmm. um, I've used plenty. And there are very few, honestly, that I've come across that have serious drafting problems or issues. And I think that's up to the user to determine by uh, kind of giving a critical look to the designer's website you know do they provide some blog posts or tutorials uh do they provide something like line drawings I've even seen some independent pattern companies that don't give line drawings that's kind Mm -hmm. of a red flag for me I need to see the line drawing in order to understand the garment so I, I think you just you can kind of tell which ones are putting in the effort uh to draft things well and provide great instructions and others I think you can kind of you, you roll the dice if you want to give them a try. And I have done that where, you know, okay, I don't see a line drawing here, but darn it, I really like this. I'm gonna give it a try. Um yeah. but I'm just gonna tell you my favorite one. So Hey June yes, is yes, up yes. there, Green Style Creations, I really like them a lot, and Love Notions. Um mm-hmm. Love Notions has every Friday they have a pattern on sale for five dollars. So oh, that's, that's nice. a good time to get them. I agree with you, I love named, I love paper cut patterns. I've mentioned jelly, favorite of mine, itch to stitch. And there's a couple that I've tried recently that I've only done maybe one pattern from, but I'm quite impressed. So Rad Patterns is one of them, and they were part of the So My Style recently, I think, for uh, a recent month's you know shared pattern that everyone was going to do. It was a bodysuit, the Courtney bodysuit, and it just yeah. came out really, really super well, and the fit was spot on. That was very uh, cute. Maven Patterns, I made their summer set, top which is just a boat neck knit top with options for bishop sleeves and I, I just it just fit me like it was designed for me right out of the right out of the gate. Ralph Pink, I made a giant oversized shirt dress. Like I mean it's about as wide as it is long and it's crazy and I love it. And you know, he's just got great designs. And Friday
1: Pattern Company. Oh yes, I like Friday Pattern Company. Mm-hmm. Done one or two of those. So
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. Yeah, that, that Ralph Pink dress that you made was amazing.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I actually had a male student in one of my classes come up to me after class when I was wearing it. He was like, by the way, I just want to tell you your shirt's awesome. <laughs> awesome. So
1: That's That's funny. Yeah. Especially a dude saying that. Yeah.
0: What would you say is your divide between how many big fours you use and how many indie
1: patterns? Oh, it's it's probably... Eighty twenty for big four and again it's just ease i don't want to put the patterns together also um you know like taping the pdf patterns taping, yeah that's yeah. what i mean um also i don't usually like making patterns twice mm-hmm. and then when i like work out the cost per use and the cost per pain in the ass to stick them together <laughs> then it really comes out really low whereas the you know the Dollar ninety nine patterns are easier for that. But what the problem is is that I should be muslining all those things. And every single time I make a pattern because I'm a seamstress, um, I think, oh, next time I will. Mm-hmm. And there's always a next time and there's always improvements to be made, and then I don't get to that next time. And that's really the disappointment, I guess, with either pattern. But um But that's fine. That just I mean, that's your personal preference. You like to move on to
0: Another new challenge and another new thing, right? So that's that's okay too. Yeah. yeah. And Barbara brings yeah. up this idea of muslining and how, you know, you put in a lot of time and effort to muslin something, especially if you have to do more than one to sort out the fit issues. And at that point, you're thinking, you know what? Maybe this isn't about me. This is about the pattern company that drafted a whole lot of problems into this. And I, I tend to agree with her. And I do not like muslining. I just, oh, yeah. I just want to yeah. sew. I want to jump in, and I don't mind if something turns out disastrously. I chalk it up to, you know, a lesson learned or mm-hmm. some new technique that I've gained or new understanding. So I've never been one for muslining, and so I can see Barbara's point on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it isn't, it isn't the fun part. But for some people, the fitting is the fun part, and I totally mm-hmm. sympathize with that too. Yeah. Like she was saying, how she likes the construction and. And figuring that out and that's kind of how I think of it like the engineering of how to put it together in the best way and how to finish it and stuff like that that kind of stuff I like to think about but some people like the engineering of how to make it fit them and Mm -hmm. how to make that 3d shape so perfect for them I mean it is a really great challenge that is some people really get jazzed by so I can see that too It's
0: cool that sewing provides so many different ways that people can enjoy it, too, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, So, yeah, that's great. Oh, and speaking of you hating to tape together PDF patterns, it's not my favorite thing either, uh, but I've kind of got it down to a system where I do it while I'm watching Netflix with my husband and, you know, I'm sitting (laughs) in the den and doing it on the floor. Um, But Barbara brings up this fairly new technology of using projectors to trace patterns. So, I did a little bit of investigating to see what, you know, how does all this work? So, basically, you can get a tiny little sort of handheld sized projector. They're sort of bigger than a than a mobile phone, thicker than that, but you can still hold them in your hand. The idea is that you get an app on your phone that can connect that kind of talks to the projector and the projector gets set up Um, it's kind of like one of those work lamps that you clamp to the side of your table. Mm -hmm. So it comes with a gooseneck stand that you clamp to your table and it holds the projector and you basically aim the projector down at your table. And then from your phone, you open up your PDF file. Mm -hmm. Um, The PDF has to be in AO format and that Mm -hmm. is the format that you usually can send off to your printer. So it's a, it's a, a full... It's not a page-by-page, which is what we're usually using when we stick together each page. It's the full printout all on one giant piece of paper that um, would normally be printed out by a plotter at uh, at the printers. So if the company provides an AO file, and most of them are now... Uh, then you can use it with the projector. And so you call up this file. The projector projects it down onto the tabletop where your fabric is, Mm -hmm. and you can go ahead and trace the lines directly on your pattern. So this eliminates the need for any paper, No printing out, no sticking together, no cutting out, no pinning, no pattern weights, whatever. You're just directly drawing uh, the projected lines onto your fabric. So a couple of things that I've heard, I haven't used this technique, of course, yet myself. um, But one potential issue that stands out to me is that unless all of the pattern pieces are put in the AO file by the designer with the grain lines, all going in the same direction, so in other words, all of the pieces you have to cut out are lined up along the grain line, Uh, then you may end up having to shift your fabric around underneath the projector to kind of fit your pieces onto the grain line properly. Mm -hmm. So if the pattern designer hasn't specifically thought about people using projectors to do this, they probably won't have plotted out the... The pattern pieces in the appropriate way and you would have to maybe draw one cut it out and then shift your fabric if you know what i mean
1: that yeah but that is i can't imagine not doing that because um because i'm on the smaller size range and then they so then you would waste so much fabric and i am so weird about wasting fabric i oh, me too yeah if if something says that they need a two and you know we need a uh, two and a half yards of it fabric I promise you I can get it out of like a yard and three quarters
0: (laughs) yeah I find that too mm -hmm. for sure never ever follow the (laughs) the pattern tracing layout that they give Mm -mm. you because it just I can always fit way more pattern pieces in my I just do them one at a time usually Uh, I might do a whole layout if I'm really worried about having enough but I always get it out of out of less, so yeah, you're right. I would be doing the same thing mm-hmm. um with even with the projector, but uh, and I didn't look into how much the projectors cost um so that would be interesting to know just in terms of whether whether I would think that would be something I would use going forward.
1: Because I love the idea I of not having to use it. paper. I
0: love the idea yeah.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> of not having to stick them together. But also the storage of the patterns, which is a big hassle. Yes. Um, it's getting to be a problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. A fire hazard. <laughs> <laughs> and just, um, though there is the problem with if you made a standard alteration, how would you do that in the project- projected pattern? Oh, yeah. Shorten, lengthen.
0: Yeah, I think Barbara mentioned that as maybe a future possibility that wouldn't it be great to be able to go in and manipulate the PDF yourself if you needed a full bust adjustment Mm -hmm. or, you know, a lengthened, shortened line or something that you could actually redraw the PDF before you projected it. So uh, who knows, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, that's what we'll all be doing. We'll have some kind of... You know, simple way that we can manipulate that.
1: Well, that was the that was the question with the um, spoonflower was doing those pre-printed patterns. So they're right printed yeah. right on the yeah. And I, that was the question that a lot of people had is, I mean, so few people just cut them out as is. So yeah,
0: which is maybe why they're not offering that service anymore. Maybe it just there were
1: yeah,
0: it wasn't appealing to enough people. So such a but. brilliant
1: idea in so many ways. Again. <laughs> no taping it together, but I'm making yeah. it sound like taping it together is the bane of my existence. It's just this little hurdle that keeps me from getting to what I love and so I just resent it so much. And yeah, so it, I can it, understand it isn't that. Yeah. such a big thing. It's just it's the yeah. thing for me.
0: For me, I love the oh my god, I just decided I have to make this particular pattern and so I want it right now. I'm not waiting for it to be delivered. I'm just gonna download it and and do it. So cause I I tend to like to sew that way. So but we should we should put money down on how long we think it's gonna take before we go completely paperless, press a button to download the PDF, project it onto your fabric, get in that PDF, do the adjustments, and then go. Yeah. Hopefully soon. I just love the idea. Brave New World. Mm-hmm. And so, to finish off our episode today, we've invited Gila, our joy correspondent, to inject a little joy into your sewing. Here she is. Give us some joy,
1: Gila.
3: <laughs> One of my favorite sayings as applied to my sewing life goes like, Life isn't about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself. It's sometimes attributed to George Bernard Shaw but sometimes it's attributed to other people. But I love this saying because this is a saying that encapsulates what I'm talking about today, which is the joy of a mood board. So creating a mood board is kind of a way, a little tool to help you plan for happiness and joy. In my life, I use mood boards for a lot of things. And when I was thinking about the concept of joy, especially in sewing, and I was trying to distill at what point I started experiencing the joy that I experience within my sewing life now, I realized that it came down to the moments that I started using mood boards, the moments that I started planning for joy and for happiness so that I wouldn't be dragged down the path of I should do this I should do that and so today I'm going to be talking about how you might want to start thinking about planning for your joy in your sewing life if you were so interested when you think about planning planning can happen on many levels and if you look at your life, you've probably planned for things like a marathon or birthday parties or holidays or serving, savings. And those things, you break down the path to get there when you're planning them. And so it is with sewing life. We do that by planning uh, your ideal sewing joy-filled life. Or you could kind of reverse it by thinking about what your joy-filled wardrobe would look like, and you work backwards. But more on that later. We're thinking about what your dream sewing life might look like. What would your dream sewing life look like at some point in the reasonable future? Think about maybe 12 months from now, or three years, or five years into the future. So a point about perfection here. We are valuable human beings. We are messy. Life is Capricious, and we need not expect perfection because let's face it, perfection is an ideal of the foolish. The goal isn't to be flawlessly perfect in our sewing life, but to embrace our perfectly flawed sewing life. That's a philosophy I like to live by. And also, joy is different for everyone. Though there might be commonalities in the ideal version of a sewing life, but we are different. We have different beliefs. We've got different cultures, and you want to give enough thought to that. You do have a choice to whether you can create a joyful-filled wardrobe or create a joyful-filled sewing life. You can choose to just wander along without having a clear direction, hoping that you'll stumble upon your joy. Or you can create a proactively planned map by you, for you, with the explicit goal of enjoying your sowing life to the fullest and experiencing or expanding joy. What might it be like? Really think about your inspired sewing life for as long as you can. Create a tangible thing to represent it. You have to get it out of your head. It can be written down or it can be a vision board. They, the vision boards are often called mood boards as well. And they can help you to define what a great sewing life really means. I have vision boards or mood boards for my health and fitness life, for my travel dreams basically your mood board will have elements that form a guide and on your mood board you want to include bold and positive goals and this will be like your internal gps system that give you a clear and purposeful vision mood boards are also so incredibly useful because if for some reason you take a wrong turn the gps helps to redirect you back to the path of what you want And let me tell you, in a world of social media where you're constantly bombarded with new sources of inspiration, it's very easy to get sidetracked from what it is that really gives you joy. And it's helpful to have something that reroutes you back to what you really want. So number one, you want to clarify and define your destination. So for example, for me, one of the things that I decided a few years ago was that I was going to sew what I love to sew, more importantly, using fabrics that I love. I wanted my uh, fabrics, my projects to be full of energy and motivation. And these were the values that I thought of because your values are your guideposts. And Some of the things that you may want to think about when you're thinking about your values, you want to think about whether, you know, comfort zone, sewing things that you are comfortable with versus taking risks. Adventure, you're going to be adventurous. Self-compassion, be forgiving of any mistakes that you may make. Curiosity, trying out new things without checking out what other people say about them first. Creativity, fun and love of what you're doing. You wanna think about what is the guide for your sewing life. Also, focus on what you want to do, not what you don't want to do, okay? So this means, this is one reason why fabric fasts and fabric bands, whatever you wanna call them, they don't work because the goal isn't positive. Telling yourself, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that is not a positive goal. And research has shown that those are less likely to be achieved, so you wanna keep them uh, positive bold and positive perhaps i will buy fabric that i absolutely have fallen in love with am smitten with not fabric that i'm just a little bit like Mm-mm. <laughs> also you want to think about when do you feel the most energized and excited so one thing i learned for myself through using mood boards and thinking about how i want my sewing life to be was that if i am just feeling low or whatever i did not enjoy my sewing life so I made it part of my process that I tend to only sew when I am feeling energized and motivated with sewing. And also, you may want to think about when do you feel like the best you? And use those moments to try and figure out, to try and determine what it is that makes you feel the best you. And you want to try and translate that onto your mood board, whether it's a collage or it's a written version think about when you feel the most authentic and most genuine. And this one is quite useful because you may want to think about that, especially when you're wearing a particular outfit. Sewing, especially home sewing, is intrinsically linked to your wardrobe because there's no point in sewing something that isn't going to be a garment that you wear. So if you identify when you are dressed up and you feel your most authentic and genuine and then you try and reverse engineer well what is it about what i'm wearing right now that makes me feel authentic and genuine and can i translate that how can i translate that to what i sew and another thing that you can think about what do you look most forward to what do you most look forward to in your sewing life and you want to try and increase instances of that and you also want to capture that what brings you to life when you're sewing? I get excited at the point where something becomes a dress or when I say fabric, actually, because I'm quite a visual person. And it's very helpful when you think about these things, because then you can kind of identify what are the high points and how you can recreate them. And so once you've thought about all of these things, you now want to move them onto paper. If you are artistically inclined, you may be able to draw out your mood board But my own personal favorite is making a collage whereby I gather fashion magazines and sewing magazines and I cut them out and I make a collage. And that is one of the joys of making a mood board. It is one of my favorite parts. You can also use words to describe your ideal joy. I like cutting out words. So for me, it's like um, a curiosity. I love to explore, to try out different sewing techniques mastery is a word that I recently added because I do want to become better within my sewing because that gives me joy it gives my pursuit of sewing a meaningful purpose Stephen Covey author of the seminal book the seven habits of highly effective people also has an exercise that you might want to think about if you're struggling to come up with what you want out of your sewing life and he basically says that you have to think about what you would love for someone to say about you at your funeral now it sounds macabre but it is actually one of those exercises that a lot of people say has helped them clarify what direction they want their lives to take whether it's sewing lives or anything else so this particular aspect doesn't just apply to your sewing life but it could help when you think about your sewing life okay it's a very energizing task just try it and you never know what you may get um, out of it. Just think about what you would want someone to say about your sewing life or about um, your wardrobe at your funeral. It's quite fascinating. So for me, when I did this exercise, I realized that I didn't want to be the person who had a huge stash of beautiful lovely fabrics that were never used that were musty and they were being sold off in an estate sale and that really helped me turn the needle in my own sewing life because I realized that I needed to stop being precious with those fabrics And ever since I started doing that, let me tell you, I've been having so much joy with the clothes that I've been making because I am using all these bright, beautiful, bold fabrics that I was too scared about because I was hanging on to this idea of perfection. So that's a really good one. So just try it. So. The key points to take away is when you make a mood board, you have got a guide, an internal GPS that brings you back on course when you wander away from the things that you want to do. You want to put it somewhere where you can see it frequently, especially if you're sewing. So you might want to put it up in your sewing room. I have it in my sewing room and I have a picture of it on my phone as a screensaver because I like to look at it and it just fills me with so much motivation for my sewing when I look at it. And here's the second best part you get to review and refresh it often. Okay, so we grow as people, we change our tastes and preferences, and there is nothing more fun than looking at your mood board and thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I liked those high-necked Edwardian, freely lacy collars. Don't want them anymore. I'm gonna go for Peter Pan collars instead. And you're just constantly refining your taste and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And that's a fine way. And so that's it for today. I hope that you have found this useful and think about how you can plan to experience more joy in your sewing life. Until next time, happy sewing!
0: for listening to this episode of the clothes making mavens podcast for more information and more episodes visit clothesmakingmavens.com we would love to hear from you you'll find options for sending us an email leaving a comment or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com hope to hear from you soon and thanks for listening